0: I'm Donica Contour and this is Naptime Devotionals episode 64, The Fall of Adam and Eve, studying Genesis chapters 3 and 4 and Moses chapters 4 and 5. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come follow me study for busy moms. I'm your host, Donica Contour. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a daughter of God just trying to get home and I hope that something I say here today will help you on your journey home too. Alrighty, so this week, we've got some fun scriptures to talk about. We're going to kind of jump back and forth between Genesis and Moses, um, because it's the same story, but some have, one set of scriptures have some details, and the other set of scriptures has other details, and so we're going to kind of jump back and forth um, in terms of my referencing. So, We're going to start in Moses, um, five, um, and look at verse six to start with. Um, so this is after Adam and Eve been kicked out of the garden. I've always thought Adam is such a good example of faith, right? Um, heavenly father tells him, Hey, I want you to perform these sacrifices, And Adam's like, and he tells him what to do. And Adam's like, okay. And so he does it. And then an angel shows up and is like, Hey, um, why are you doing that? Like, do you know, do you know why you're doing that? And Adam's like, Nope, I just know heavenly father asked me to do this. And, um, I'm going to listen to him. Right. I trust him and I know that his interest is the best for me. I'm going to listen to him. Um, and I think that that's a powerful example of faith because there's so many times, particularly in my own, like my own personal life that I can think of where I felt prompted to do or not do something to say or not say something or whatever. Um, and I didn't really know why. Um, and there's some of those things where you'll get to find out when you die. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or like, you'll find out years and years later. Um, I think I probably told this example before, but one of the beaches, um, the beach that I predominantly surfed at when I lived in Hawaii. um, I didn't know this until I moved, but there were several times where I would be surfing and I would immediately feel, get out of the water. And I was usually a little bit like, but it's a perfect day. Okay, I'll get out. Um, I always got out. Every time I felt like you need to get out of the water, I did it. Um, and it was not until I moved that I found out that just outside, like that beach is pretty infamous apparently for being a tiger shark nursery, which means that there are little baby tiger sharks swimming around in that water, um, which is pretty murky most of the time, um, just cause it's got a lot of sediment on the bottom. And, um, and I don't know what you know about sharks, but older sharks, bigger sharks are actually a little bit safer to be around because they recognize humans are not tasty or not a good food source. It's adolescent sharks and young sharks who are still exploring and trying to figure out what's edible and what's not edible that are actually the ones that usually take a little nibble out of people. Um, and so... Um, I didn't learn that until after I left and then I was like, Oh, I bet a good portion of those times when I felt I needed to get out, it was because Heavenly Father was watching out for me and, um, made sure I was making it out of the water with 10 fingers and 10 toes. Um, that way I didn't get chewed on by any baby sharks anyway. So. I love that Adam is such a good example of this kind of faith where he's like, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I just know heavenly father asked me to do it and I'm going to do it because I trust him. And the thing that I love about this is that, and then he, it gets the answer, right? Then it is, he is taught why he is doing this. It is in similitude of the only begotten, you know, and he, um, the scriptures explain why? And so I think that that's pretty powerful that sometimes we're asked to do things that we don't necessarily understand or don't necessarily know why we're doing them. Um, but heavenly father is asking us to do things and we do them. That's faith. And it will be rewarded. Sometimes I think, I think every time it's just a determine. it just depends on whether or not it will be within this lifetime or not. We don't find out why until later. Um, and then I love verses 10 and 11, still Moses five talks about opposition, right? Like we know that we wouldn't know good without evil. We wouldn't know happy without sad. We wouldn't know hot without cold. Right. And like all of these things, um, need an opposition. They need something different um, so that we can recognize them. Um, otherwise it would be hard, if not impossible to recognize one and, or to appreciate one without the other. Um, so verses 12 and 13 here is where I want to get, let's talk about this and Moses again. Um, And this is what I, I wrote down agency in action, right? So mom and dad, Adam and Eve have have this very close, very personal relationship with heavenly father in their living memory. They have seen heavenly father and Jesus Christ. They were in the garden, ate the fruit out of the garden, and now they're being taught. And they, it talks about them, being able to hear God. They still kind of hang out near Eden, right? They're not obviously in it anymore. They've gotten kicked out of the garden of Eden, but they're still close by, right? They stay close by because they can still hear heavenly father when he speaks. They can still hear Christ when he speaks. They just can't see either of them anymore. Um, that, that, privilege, if you will, has been taken from them, but they're still being taught and they're commanded, teach your children these things. Right. And so they do, they turn and they teach their children, all of these things that they are learning that they're learning from the horse's mouth. Right. Um, Adam is a prophet. First one that we know Adam is a prophet. He is talking to God, right? Like on a telephone, he can hear him, can't see him passes the information down to his children and then his children do exactly what God intended them to do and utilize their agency. And then they make good choices and they make bad choices. Isn't that the beauty of agency? Um, and here's why I want to talk about this. Um, in Moses chapter four, right? Kind of see some of the, a little bit of the creation here. Um, it talks or not the creation, but like the preexistence, Moses chapter four, verses one through three, Satan volunteers to be the savior, right? And this is why I'm talking about this because Satan wants to use his agency, which is given to him by God, And he wants to use that agency to destroy the agency of everyone else. He wants to use it so that he can force everybody else to make good choices and come back to live with Heavenly Father. And sometimes, particularly when I'm parenting a particularly ornery little kid, I'm like, I don't know, maybe Satan was onto something. But as a whole, obviously, I agree with Heavenly Father. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. I'd be a floaty, lifeless being um, or bodiless being, um, running around trying to make everybody else follow Satan. Okay. Um, he wanted to use his, Satan wanted to use his agency to destroy the agency of others. And agency is so important to heavenly father. It is so incredibly important to heavenly father that he would rather risk us never coming home to, to him hence the one-third plus Satan of hosts that left completely, he would rather risk us never getting home rather than force us to come back to him. But, and I think a lot of times people are like, yeah, agency is important, so I can choose whatever I want. And absolutely you can. But that does not mean that you are released from the consequences of your actions, whether they are consequences you want or consequences you would rather deal without, Um, and I think that that's something we th- don't think about a lot—the world in the worldly sense, where like, oh yeah, they're consequences of your actions, right? If I if I hold this pen up and I drop it, it falls because gravity. So like, I created, you know, I'm creating a thing. The, my action is I'm dropping the pen. The consequences, it keeps stabbing me in the leg because I keep dropping it on my leg. Right. And there are some things in life. There are some choices that we make that have immediate dropping the pen consequences, but there are other choices that we make in life that we don't see the consequences immediately. If at all in this lifetime, um, some consequences either take years to show up or there are consequences that we will deal with after we die, Um, I genuinely believe that every single one of our choices has consequences and not all of them show up immediately after. They're not all pen dropping consequences, right? Um, But we all have to deal with these consequences and here is where we see an example of that, right? Um, so this is in Moses chapter five, verses 17 through 33, but also we see it in Genesis chapter four, verse nine. This is Cain killing Abel, right? And the part that I always think is very interesting in here is in the Genesis version of the story. Um, you're not really sure as to what's happening, right? Like you know that um, Cain is born and he plants food and then you know that Abel's born and he's a shepherd and then Cain offers up an offering and it is not good and then Abel offers up an offering and it is good and you're like well why did he like his and he didn't like his but in Moses we get more of the story. We understand that Cain offered up a sacrifice, right? His potatoes or whatever it was he was growing because Satan told him to. So it did not come from a good place. Um, Whereas Abel followed because Adam had taught him to follow the Lord. And um, Abel had accepted this teaching. Cain had also been taught these things, but was like, pfft. I don't know who he is. I don't need to be following him. Right. And he, um, it talks about how he's the first one to develop like the secret combinations, um, with Satan. Um, our first one to go into it, I guess. And then this is the part in Moses that I think is so important that gets missed in the story. Sometimes is Cain gloried, in what he had done. Right. Cain kills his brother. And then he's like, yes, this was a good choice. I made good choices by killing my brother and hiding him and taking over his flock. This was a good call, right? It wasn't like he did it and was like, Oh crap, this was a mistake. He gloried in it. And I think that's super important because, um, he thinks that he's going to be protected by Satan because he's entered into this secret covenant. They even call him master something. It's creepy. Um, and then heavenly father comes along and my, one of my favorite questions happens in both of these sections in Genesis and in Moses. Am I my brother's keeper? Right? What's the answer to that question? Am I my brother's keeper? Uh, yeah yeah, you are. And I am also, right? Like it's funny because it's one of these things where it's like, my natural man wants to be like, no, my brother is in charge of my brother. If he wants to make bad decisions, he can make bad decisions. He can do whatever he wants. Right. And to a degree, yes. Right. We're not to infringe upon other people's agency, um, to a degree, right. As parents. Particularly, we have a responsibility to make sure our children stay safe. If my child wants to use his agency to play in the middle of the street, I'm going to extend my agency to overrule his and be like, uh, yeah, no, we're not doing that. That's a terrible idea. You will be murdered or not murdered, but you'll be killed. Um, and, and I'm going to protect you from that because I'm your mom and that's my job. Um, but you know, like my sister, for example, who is an adult, wants to make whatever decisions she wants to make. I'm, I don't need to extend my agency over her, right? She, that, that's not necessary. Um, but am I my sister's keeper? Is it my job to make sure that I'm doing what I can be doing to share the gospel, to be a good example, to show up in a Christ-like and loving way for my sister Yes. Yes. That is my responsibility. Um, and I think when I think about it as a responsibility, sometimes it feels kind of heavy, but when I think about it as, is that the sister I want to show up as then? Yeah, I do. I want to be that person. I want to be a Christ-like individual that people feel comfortable coming to me and talking to me about their problems with, because they know, listen, I get it. You're human we all make bad choices. Um, I love you no matter what. And I am going to offer honest advice no matter what. Um, and I think I, this is kind of off topic, but I kind of want to talk about it. Um, there is this song, I think I've talked about this actually before where, um, I'm trying to be like Jesus and it talks about being gentle and loving in all that I do. And I always think of the phrase, brutal honesty. And there is no reason honesty has to be brutal. You can absolutely be gently, gentle and honest. You can be loving and honest. You can be gently, lovingly honest, <laughs> honestly, loving and gent- gentle. Um, and I think that that's important to recognize that what kind of people, right? Think about your various relationships as a sister, as a daughter, as a wife, as a mother, as just a human being wandering around in this planet. Um, what kind of person do I want to show up as? Do I want to be my brother's keeper? Do I want to show up as the sister who makes sure that my brother is safe and that he is whole and that he has a good example and that He's got somebody, if he needs help, that he knows he can go to who will be gentle and loving and honest with him. I hope so. That's the person I want to be. So, um, the last thing I want to talk about is, um, in Moses four, uh, verses four and six. This is Satan thinking he's oh so sneaky and messing up God's plan by tempting Eve. And one of my favorite verses in this is, or favorite, I guess, phrases in this is in um, verse six. It says, he knew not the mind of God. And I think that that's so powerful because um, sometimes I feel like that. Like, I don't know the mind of God, but I do know that it's in my benefit, that it is with my best interest in mind. Um, so that while I don't necessarily understand every single thing from start to finish completely, I understand the basics and I understand that this is for my benefit. Um, and I love that Heavenly Father knows our hearts and minds. And... Satan does not know the mind of God. So in this particular equation, who do you really want to trust? Who do you want to put your faith in? Do you want to put your faith in somebody who's trying to tear you down and who doesn't know the bigger plan, doesn't understand the big picture? Or do you want to put your faith in somebody who loves you unconditionally has set up a plan for you to be able to make it home to him so that you can be like him and have the power that he has. And or, and do you want somebody that understands you 100% and knows your heart and mind and knows that when you made that mistake, you really were trying to do what you thought was the right thing in that moment? Which person do you want on your side? Which person do you want to be following? Um, And I think about that sometimes as decisions sometimes feel difficult. I think about, okay, what would Christ do? What would Heavenly Father do? What feels like the right choice, even if it's not the easier choice, even if it's not the more popular choice. Um, And I think that there are so many beautiful things that we can learn from the fall of Adam and Eve that are necessary to us growing and are things that we will experience within our own lives and our own personal falls, if you will. And I will talk to you next week.